This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders. Was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. I was surprised recently, last year, I, my, my son was really into a band, 21 Pilot, so I bought him tickets for Christmas to go see them in Seattle. And he wanted to go with me. And I thought, that's pretty cool. My teenage son wants me to go to the concert with him. I had no idea who 21 Pilots was. Didn't think I had heard their music, but turned out I had. And that show was incredible. One of the best shows I've ever seen. And ever since, that was September of last year. And I've listened to 21 Pilots constantly since then. That is a a new one for me, relatively new. But I listen to them a lot. I, I like them. And that, that show, speaking of kiss, I think, cause I saw kiss on their first tour back in makeup. So they did all the years without, and then they eventually put back on makeup and did a big tour. Right. And I saw them in Peoria for that tour. So I've seen kiss live and it is a heck of a show. 21 pilots puts on an even better show than that kiss show and the only live performance i've seen that had perhaps as much musical diversity was harry connick jr when he did a solo tour but he had all the instruments on the stage and he would throughout the show play all of them and wide range of music this was similar to that so that's at least for now that's the band i if i'm going to sit and listen to something or I just want to put something on real quick, it's probably going to be 21 Pilots. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lessing Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. We are getting off the Bruce Springsteen train today. We're getting in the Disney monorail, maybe? I am joined by podcaster Jody Mayberry. Jody, welcome to the podcast. Jesse, it's such a treat to be here. And I have to say, and all the podcasts I thought I might be on someday, I never expected to be on a podcast about Bruce Springsteen, but here we are. Believe it or not, there are actually like five or six now. When I started, there was the only one. I was the only one, and I take pride in this because I wanted to hear people talk about Bruce Springsteen. And so in the spirit of 
you can either curse the darkness or light a candle. I said, I'll just start it. And now then there are like four or five that are all great. They're all different. I call them that in the Springsteen podcast neighborhood, we just had one that started earlier late last year that was in the UK, that's UK based. And so it's a lot of fun. But yeah, this is, I sometimes have to do a little bit of selling, Jody, when I get a guest and they immediately go, nah, I don't know anything about Bruce. I'd be a bad fit your podcast. I'm like, well, wait, because <laughs> I just like talking to people about their passions. And, and, it, yeah. and it ends up being a fun conversation. Tell me a little about yourself. Give me your elevator pitch, Jody. I am a former park ranger who became the happiest podcaster on earth. And, and I say that for two reasons. One is I'm pretty happy I get to do what I do. But two, you probably recognize the, the Disney tie in there, happiest place yes. on earth. And if anyone knows me for a podcast, it's probably for creating Disney magic, which I do with Lee Cockrell, who was the executive vice president of Walt Disney World for 10 years. So he ran the whole place responsible for 44,000 people. And now we've done that show creating Disney magic for my goodness, nine years and 450 episodes. It's been a good run, still going strong, but I have a lot of other podcasts. It all started with a show called the park leader show, which until a few months ago, was the only podcast out there for park rangers. There are shows about parks. This was the only one for park rangers, but I helped Donald Forgione, who is the retired director of Florida State Parks. I just helped him launch his podcast called Tailgate Talk. So now there are two podcasts out there for park rangers. So that's where I, I started out as a park ranger, did that for eight years and then went back to school, got an MBA, went back out into the corporate world. And uh, 10 years ago, launched out on my own and started doing podcasts. And one thing led to another. And now I've, gosh, I'm like 1700 episodes in across all the shows. And it, it has just been a blast because I get to have conversations with people like Jesse Jackson. That is me to say, I am the same way. I have not counted up everything. Set Lusting Bruce just hit a thousand. Oh we're, my we're goodness. over a thousand on just this one. And I think we're up to over, we're close to 300 on my Doctor Who podcast. And then we've, then various others that we do. So yeah, a lot of talk. What's interesting is this is a synergy to my day gig, your former gig. I work for a company called CoachNet. And what we do is offer carefree RVing is our slogan. Oh. We offer roadside assistance for the RV industry. And it is all about people getting outdoors and enjoying life on the road in their RV or camping and just enjoying life. Um, all our conference rooms are named after national parks. There are signs everywhere about camping and outdooring. And it was... When I interviewed the job, I was like, I don't camp, but I'd like to go to Bruce Springsteen concerts. <laughs> I, I do road trips and that's great. So I usually ask growing up what kind of music you listen to, but I'm going to ask that question as well, but I'm going to do a part B. Were you always into nature growing up? So let's do music and then nature. Okay. So music 
I have two older, had two older brothers. So heavily influenced by them and a cousin that I hung out with a lot. So I listened growing up. I listened a lot to kiss because my cousin was really into them. I looked up to my cousin. So a lot of kiss and then some of the offshoot bands from them. And then right around the time I went to college, I discovered how much I enjoyed Elvis Presley. And then for years went deep into Elvis Presley. So that, that was my, that's quite a transformation to go from kiss to Elvis, but that's how it went for me. What year was this when you're going off to college? Oh gosh, it was in, it would have been in the the mid nineties. And I just, I did a road trip with somebody who had played some Elvis. Now my granny liked Elvis. My mother liked Elvis, but I didn't pay that much attention other than to know it was good music. But the person I did this road trip with, they had some pretty deep Elvis stuff, the stuff you don't normally hear. And I'm like, this is really good. And then, so I started listening to some of the non-radio hits and just thought it was fantastic and just went really deep for many years. So I graduated high school in 77, so I'm a few years older than you. And I went through a space where I adored Kiss, uh, just like every other high school kid. Never painted my face, but I sure wore out my Kiss Destroyer and Kiss Live 8-tracks. And then what? the reason I'm telling that is in the after I graduated high school, I picked up a Beach Boys Endless Summer 8-track, and I went from Kiss to the Beach Boys Harmonies. Wow. It was like, I was like, almost a, I had an injury, a whiplash. It was so great. My son went through a similar thing. He was born in 89, and so probably similar to your time frame, you're talking about we went on a family vacation and we went through Graceland. We toured Graceland. We're going to do the tour thing. And instead of finding it cheesy, he just found it fascinating. And the idea, first off, he was amazed that Elvis never entertained upstairs. So Graceland doesn't let you see upstairs. And so now then he's, what's upstairs? What's going on? I said, it's probably just storage now, kid. Oh, no, it's got to be something. And he became just a huge Ellis fan that uh, has never lost his, you know, rotation. We have musical bands, but Elvis has stayed in his rotation. And now then he's 33 and that stays in that. That's pretty funny. Yeah. How fun. Yeah. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late, and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make, and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well, I could make a run to the store, 
or I could make one of my new factor meals. <laughs> Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything Factor Meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor Meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code pantheon50 to get 50% off. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain again with something every podcast listener and music junkie needs to hear. As I'm sure you can guess, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I also listen to a lot of music, so having high-quality headphones and earbuds are absolutely critical to my day. Oh, and I have numerous pairs. In fact, I have a junk drawer of used devices that have bitten the dust, so I've tried them all. Recently, I was sent a pair of earbuds by Raycon, and the first thing I noticed was the cost. Uh, Looks like their products are about half the price of other premium brands. Okay, that's cool. And the reviews seem pretty stellar. Okay, checks that box. So I got my Raycon Everyday Earbuds, a nice packaging to open, and what I immediately noticed were the pack of ear tips for sizing. Uh, I'll tell you, I have small ear canals. Uh, I know, a flaw. So to see choices for the best fit, uh, especially while exercising, (laughs) oh yeah. And yes, they were immediately comfortable. Sound quality was great too. Plus I have three EQ options that I love because I like more bass in my music and less in the podcasts. Eight hours of playtime for the battery is great as well. Surround sound, noise canceling, and awareness mode all included. I think I'm in business and I just realized I've had them in all day. Like I said, super comfortable. Go to buyraycon.com slash Pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash Pantheon. American Criminal is a new true crime podcast from the studio behind American Scandal and American History Tellers. Every week, you'll fall deeper into the riveting stories of the country's most clever, craven, and cruel criminals. Fraud, theft, murder, and worse. Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the whole story until now. The debut season tackles one of the most sensational cases of the 20th century, the Menendez murders. In 1989, young Lyle and Eric Menendez brutally shot their own parents. Prosecutors and the press said it was a multi-million dollar inheritance that led two greedy rich kids to murder. But the picture-perfect facade this Hollywood family built hid troubling abuse. Could these teenagers have been driven to kill? Or was it even in self-defense? Listen now. Go to AmericanCriminal.com or search for and follow American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. So were you an outdoor kid? Were you, was your family raised? Did you guys go camping? Do you do a lot of outdoor events? I grew up in Peoria, Illinois, which is the very middle of Illinois, halfway okay. between St. Louis and Chicago. And we used to take a family vacation west every year. And that's what started it all for me with those annual camping trips out to 
the Dakotas or Colorado. So yeah, we, we lived in a, a place where even though I lived in Peoria, we were on the outskirts and I could play in the woods all the time. So I grew up playing in the woods and then those family vacations, I think it was always in my mind that I wanted to be a park ranger. But then I ended up a financial analyst at a commercial bank first until I said, there's no need for this and then became a park ranger. So quite a bounce, a little bit of a bounce around for me. Yeah, I was curious about that. So you went through the corporate route first and then decided that you needed more breathing room? Yeah, what led to it? So being a financial analyst was exactly what I went to school for. I went to Illinois State University, got a degree in finance and a degree in marketing, and moved out west to Washington State, had a job doing exactly what I went to school for. And the catalyst was when my granny passed away, and I went back to Illinois, came back and realized, gosh, if I do my job to the best of my ability, what's the good outcome? Maybe some shareholders make a little extra money. I, I measured interest rate risk, which is as, as exciting as it sounds. And I just thought there's just no need. Why not do what I always wanted to do and become a park ranger? So I, even though I had two degrees, I did not have enough credits in natural science. So I had to go back to school at night. And, and from the day I decided, yes, I'm going to do this, I, it took me a year because I had to go back to school. And then the process to get hired was long because I was a law enforcement ranger. So it's a slow hiring process as it should be. So it was a year long to work through that, to go back to school and go through the hiring process. My son went to Stephen F. Austin in uh, Texas here, and they have a big forestry and so one of his best friends got his degree in forestry and to be a ranger. That's cool. What all parks did you work at? I worked in uh, Washington State. So I was a state park ranger. And my, I spent four years on the east side, right in, next to Idaho in Spokane, and then four years out here on the Olympic Peninsula. So I live, even though I didn't work at that park, I live right by Olympic National Park. So extreme difference. It's almost in Idaho and now almost in the far extreme other side of the state. I'm sure one of the things that I like to pride myself on is taking my guests in different avenues. But so I'm sure you're tired of this story, but what changed your mind? Why did you decide to change? You'd already changed careers once. You'd gone from financial support, then you'd gone to a park ranger. Why another career change? I'm not afraid to uproot things. And okay. it was time. So there, it, it, it's funny, the more, the higher up I got, the less fun the job was. Entry-level ranger is about as much fun as you can have. but after some promotions, it was as much office work and paperwork and managing staff and things like that. So one, it wasn't quite as much fun. Two, I, at the time, worked for a bad park manager. That made it less fun. And then number three was I just, as fun as it is when you don't have kids or your kids are young, the unfortunate thing about being a park ranger, if there's anything bad to say about it, when my family wants to 
recreate is when your family wants to recreate, which is when park rangers have to be at the park. So I was working weekends and nights and holidays and I actually, I liked my kids and I wanted to be around them more. And so when, with all this swirling and going on, someone in the private sector offered me a job that was in the small community we lived in. And I thought, why not? And so I did it. And then I did that for two years while I went back to school and got my MBA. And then, then 10 years ago, launched out to my own business. So that was it. Being a park ranger was as wonderful as you imagine it would be, unless you don't like the outdoors. And then it's probably as terrible as you think it would be, but man, I loved it. it. I loved it. I remember a long time ago, I had a guy who said, if I didn't have to worry about money, I never would rise above being a call center manager. He said, that's where the fun is working directly with the agents, helping them to mentor them, to help them be better employees and help them be better people. And he says, the higher you go up the chain, the less time you get to spend with the people and the more time you're spending with processes and worrying about all the company things. So I totally get your thought, right? That as you go forward, it becomes more of a job and less of, because the cool part I would imagine is, at least from my perspective, when we go to a state park or national park and we're sitting there listening to a lecture from a park ranger talking about the history of the area and asking questions, they, most of them seem to be thrilled. Like, this is fun. This is why I want to do this. Going over spreadsheets and talking about budgets and how we're going to get everyone going is not what anyone grows up wanting to be. Right, Jody? Yeah, that's right. No, not many children dream of playing in spreadsheets, but most of them dream of playing outside. Yeah. And I I think during my eight years as a park ranger, it's no exaggeration. And I, I might be tampering it down at least 200 times. Someone came up to me and said, I always wanted to be a park ranger, but, and then whatever story yeah. led them to not. Yeah. The the other thing is that we have the same issue here is because people want to travel and the summer is the wrong time if you work here to take vacation, right? Like you yes. need to take vacation in like early, middle winter, late fall. So yeah, I get that idea. Um, so let's talk a little music. So you talked about loving Kiss, loving about Elvis. But do you have a favorite musician now, or do you have someone that you go to on a regular basis? I was surprised recently, last year, I, my, my son was really into a band, 21 Pilot. So I bought him tickets for Christmas to go see them in Seattle. And he wanted to go with me. And I thought, that's pretty cool. My teenage son wants me to go to the concert with him. I had no idea. 21 pilots was didn't think i had heard their music but turned out i had and that show was incredible one of the best shows i've ever seen and ever since that was september of last year and i've listened to 21 pilots constantly since then that is a, a new one for me relatively new but i listen to them 
a lot. I, I like them. And that that show, speaking of KISS, I think because I saw KISS on their first tour back in makeup. So they did all the years without, and then they eventually put back on makeup and did a big tour. Right. And I saw them in Peoria for that tour. So I've seen KISS live. And it is a heck of a show. 21 Pilots puts on an even better show than that KISS show. And the only live performance I've seen that had perhaps as much musical diversity was Harry Connick Jr. when he did a solo tour. But he had all the instruments on the stage and he would, throughout the show, play all of them and wide range of music. This was similar to that. So that's at least for now, that's the band. I, if I'm going to sit and listen to something or I just want to put something on real quick, it's probably going to be 21 pilots. Is your son happy that you've joined the uh, fan club or is now going bad and rolling his eyes? <laughs> I think he likes it. I th- he still he sings and whatnot when I put it on the, in the car. So okay. my fondness for them didn't turn him away. That is, Which is a good thing. That is a really good thing. Yeah, there. Is, for those of you who do not have teenagers, either you've gone, if you've gone past that stage we're talking about, if you have younger kids, this is what you'll go. There are things that you go to because they want you to go with them. And the idea is, right, I don't particularly care about going to a Monday Night Raw WWE event, but my 12-year-old son wants me to go with him, I'm going to go, right? Because, hey, it can't always be like in the movies where you're watching baseball together. And so you got to find the things. That's cool. Is it their showmanship that spoke to you? What about the band? Can you articulate why at this point in your life they spoke to you? It was pretty interesting to be at a concert and not know any of the music. Everyone there knew almost every song, everyone around me at least. And I was just not familiar with them. And what got me was when you go, when you see Kiss, it's a fabulous show. It's just songs though. Yeah. With 21 Pilots, it the whole performance was a two and a half hour story. I had never quite seen it done that way before. The music was good. And then the show was a story and it really intrigued me. So I started listening to them more just to hear the songs I had heard at the concert. And it just, the diversity of music and the songwriting and the style of music, it, it, I just ended up really liking it. But I think it was just the whole idea that the, the entire concert was almost like a story unfolding rather than a performance. Yeah, there's a little bit of controversy right now, Jody, with with Bruce's latest tour. In, in the past, he would often change up the set list a lot because he has a lot of diversity, a lot of songs to play. And this set list has been pretty static. It's been 80, 90 percent of the same songs in the same order with just two or three variables thrown in there. And majority of the people because it's been seven years since the band has toured have been like great i've loved this um then there's others who've gone to multiple shows that doesn't bother them that they're not 
messing thing up. I saw three shows within a week and didn't care that the set list was the same. I was just thrilled to be back seeing Bruce and the E Street Band. But a small percentage are disappointed. I bought tickets for six shows and I'm seeing all six shows and they're basically the same. If I'd known that, I probably wouldn't have bought all six tickets. And and I, I get the disappointment and my soapbox now is, but a couple of people think it's like Bruce is deliberately doing this, right? Like, why is he doing this? And what has been on the record, little Steven has said, is we're telling a story. There is this set list has a story and we're telling that story. And I, so I love the fact that with the pilots, that what you said, right? You saw this is the story I'm telling afterwards did you go back and buy a lot of music did you go back and research and kind of go a deep dive into their catalog i have i've listened to all of their stuff the most the most recent album the most but i have not looked into this so i'm not speaking on authority here yeah. but my son was even telling me how Every album is a story, but then yeah. it builds on the story of the one before. There's this whole big lore that they have created that all of their songs and albums are about. I have not gone that deep to research that, but if that is true, that is just a, a wonderful concept. That is very cool. That's very cool. I'm like you. I probably, if you played a couple of songs, I'd go, oh yeah, that song, but I have not done a deep dive in them. I now have an interest to, you've, you've awoken to this kind of itch that we might like to do. So let's, let's talk of going back to podcasting. You often, they tell you, you write what you podcast, which, right? So is that why you said, Hey, I want a podcast or let me start. What did you have this? I wanted to start a podcast and why did you? I, at the time, was looking for a way to get back involved with parks without being a park ranger again. Okay. And I didn't have a good idea, but I had the sense of, okay, I learned stuff in business school. Maybe I can bring that in a park some way. That's how I came up with the name Park Leaders. And I bought that domain, and I thought maybe I would just write articles and whatnot. I, I had discovered the show starve the doubts which is a podcast that's been out there for many years i discovered that sometime in 2013 re and got to know the host jared easily we became friends i suggested a guest for his show and he said i'll interview him if you will be the guest co-host and I said, sure, I'll, I'll do it and thought it would be a one-time thing. And I was terrible. Jared was so professional. I was terrible. I had no idea what I was doing, but Jared kept inviting me back over and over to be a co-host. And at some point it hit me, this is it. I'm not going to write articles. I'm going to podcast. And then I can have conversations with these great leaders in parks and conservation so I recorded the first six episodes in the towards the middle end of 2013, but I held on to them because I thought, oh my, I don't like the sound of my voice. I think every podcaster goes through that. And I finally launched the show in April of 2014. So it, it actually was Jared Easley, the host of Star of the Doubts, that made me realize a podcast was the way to reach the audience I wanted to reach. So 
it doesn't seem likely, but it was that show, Park Leader Show, that led to creating Disney Magic. At some point, I wanted to talk about what park, parks can learn from Disney. Because it, in many ways, it's not the same, but themed parks and natural parks have a lot in common. I didn't have a connection at Disney, so I found the book Creating Magic on Amazon, and I bought that. And I said, huh, I wonder if Lee Cockrell would be a guest on my show. And I thought, how unlikely. This guy ran Disney World. I have this small podcast for park rangers, but I don't make it a habit of let it, of saying no for people. So I said, I will ask. I will let him say no. So I asked, and what I did not know was his sister-in-law had been a park ranger for more than 30 years. She retired as the superintendent of Glacier Bay's National Park in Alaska. So he was excited for the chance to come and talk to park rangers. We talked about his book, Creating Magic. I invited him back to talk about his second book. He had two at the time called The Customer Rules. And the short version is that just led to us deciding to start a podcast together. And we launched that in 2014. So that was it. Just being a guest co-host on Star of the Doubts once led to a few more times, which led to my own podcast, The Park Leader Show. And it just took off from there. So there are business books about Disney and and a few things that the biggest one I remembered always, it's not my fault, but it's my problem to solve. It's not my fault, but it's my problem now and to solve. And the idea I, I remember reading about on stage and off stage and everyone talked about there you were always in character. You did you didn't break the illusion. But what about Disney's parks made you think that there were lessons to be learned for national and state parks? Really, it's the same thing wearing just themed parks are wearing a fancy shirt. Yeah. Because people save their time, they save their money to come and do this. It could be the person in front of you as a park ranger that could be their first ever visit to a park mm -hmm. and how you interact with them will make all the difference. You could make a lifelong fan. You could make someone that never comes back. And yes, parks has the underlying theme of conservation in it. If you remove that, which you can't, I'm not saying that's not important mm -hmm. beyond that though. It is about service. It is about vacation. It is about hospitality. It's about people. And that's what themed parks are about. Both of them are an, es an escape from your everyday life so you can get refreshed, recreated, and ready to go back and do whatever it is you do. This themed parks, natural parks are where doctors, teachers, politicians, paramedics what the people that run our day-to-day -day, that this is where they come to get their break theme park natural park so there's so many similarities but often in in natural parks people view theme parks as the exact opposite that is not what we want to be but they have spent a lot of money figuring out how to do things right, how to 
keep things simple, how to have processes, how to serve, how to move things along, how to cut time out of lines. I mean, there is so much that themed parks have done to figure out how to serve better that transfers into anyone in the hospitality business or people business, which is what we do in parks. Um, what are some of the things you picked up over the years doing all those episodes? What are things that you, what are some of the top things that have floated to that you've seen that you, if you're going to do a quick thing, here's some things that I would suggest to people. Just in, in general, uh, yeah. I, I would say that it, so much of this comes from Lee Cockrell because we spent, we've done so many episodes yeah. together, but a lot of the best leaders I've ever known have come from parks, but private sec, public sector leaders are a lot different than private sector leaders because in corporations, you get ahead by standing out. That's, that's what you try to do, but public service leaders that in particular park rangers that that goes against the culture to try to stand out because you quietly serve people that's what you do so some of the best leaders i've seen are in the public sector it's just you never hear about them but the way that they look at how you serve and why you serve and th- this idea of ranger first goes a which you may not be familiar with because if you're not a park ranger, you probably haven't heard it, but that, so I was a law enforcement park ranger. Uh Yeah. But if you're a park ranger, you're a ranger first and rangers have a purpose and an ethic and a way we do things. And yes, you may be a law enforcement officer, but you are a park ranger first. And it, at Disney that one of the best lessons I've learned from Lee is that everybody has a role or a job, but everybody has a role that they are performing. It it could be operating Space Mountain. It could be picking up trash. It could be working the, the ticket gate. So you have to perform your role, but every single cast member, and Walt, Walt Disney World has about 75,000 cast members now. Sure. And every one of them has the same purpose. And that is to make sure every guest has the most fantastic vacation of their life. Right. So it doesn't matter what your role is. That is your purpose. And if you are supposed to be taking tickets at the gate, but trash that someone dropped, you pick it up because it contributes to the purpose. If you're supposed to be emptying trash cans, but someone says, I I can't find big thunder mountain you make you stop what you're doing and you make sure they can find big thunder mountain because that is your purpose to make sure everyone every guest has the most fantastic vacation of their life and that i think transfers anywhere that if you can understand that you have a role and there's a reason they call it a role and not a job because it's all a big show and you're performing your role in the show So if you can understand it's all a show and that you're performing a role, but there is a bigger purpose, I think that transfers to parks. It transfers to to any business. For example, you could work at a company that 
offers roadside assistance to RVs. Yeah. It still transfers there too. Yeah. In fact, one of the things that I do as a contact center leader, and I've been doing this for almost 30 years or over 30 years, is the question, what's the right thing for the caller? What's the right thing for the member? And I remember this, I, I wish I could remember his name, but I was at a seminar and we were talking at one of the breaks and he said, what's your job description? I'm like, what? And I goes, no. He says, you need to get more simple. If you're a contact center, your job description is find out what the caller wants, find the simplest solution to fix what they want, make them happy they called. That's it. That's the job. That's good. And I really hit to that. And then I remember another guy saying that, and of all people, it's Michael Irvin, who of the Dallas Cowboy, you know, the flamboyant receiver. And he said, we go to Las Vegas and we lose money. And if your brother had taken that much money from you, you'd be ready to beat him up. But these strangers take your money and you talk about how much fun we got to do this again. It's all in the way it's packaged, right? There are ways to give clients bad news. There are ways to tell clients un, uh, unpleasant information, but how you do it matters. And I talk about this all the time. And a kid was little. We went to see the circus, Ringling Brothers, Barney Bailey Circus, right? And you watch all this and you go, they do this sometimes twice a day, seven days a week, and they have to act like it's the first time they've ever had confetti thrown in their face or catch that ball. And I said, really, that's what we do. And it goes back to I, one of my favorite sayings is every comic, everybody's everyone's every comic book is someone's first comic book when you open that comic book if you're the writer if you're the artist you need to make sure that they're not lost when you're doing that and so every question somebody asks it might be the hundredth time you've had to answer that but to that person it's the first time they've asked it and they deserve an energetic and sympathetic answer yeah that's right we would get that in parks too you th this the same question would happen often. For yeah. example, a common one is where is the restroom? Yeah. That, that is likely. And if you think about it, that particular question, it's obvious that is the first time they have asked that question or they wouldn't have to ask it. Exactly. Right. <laughs> but it, they, is yeah. it is probably the 100th time you have heard that question this week. But you have to answer it with the same enthusiasm, understanding this could be their very first visit to any park, period. And we want them to come back. And then we want them to tell their friends how wonderful and handsome the park rangers are. Yeah, I, I well, and they do look sharp in their uniform. Let's face it. Yes, I, I'm a fan of the ranger uniform and the flat hat. It, yes, it is it, a very it, good looking uniform. Yes, I cannot tell you how often... Uh, my wife has come back from a girl's trip and going, oh, that park ranger was so cute. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> very nice to hear. And I think we can do that in our regular lives. 
not just in business, but your kids asking the questions or your coworkers or even your family is this is important to them and and to make sure i think it's good advice i think it's really good advice jody yeah it's the now i can't say when my kids were littler though they would ask the same question over and over but you still yeah. have to have enthusiasm there yeah you want to go all right for the 15th time. No, we're not there yet. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Uh, that's great. So you mentioned that you started your park ranger, you're doing your Disney, but you, you're a little overachiever there, Jody, right? You didn't just stick with one or two podcasts. How did you decide to create a network? And what, tell me a little bit about that journey. That, that is a simpler answer than you might expect when enough people want to pay you money to do something, you do it, which is how I, and in my case, I was doing good work for someone that was high profile and people okay. would contact me and say, will you do for me what you do for Lee Cockrell? So that just led to multiple podcasts. I, I think currently I only have six podcasts going at my peak. I had 10, 10. I, I think I had 10 going. So it, it comes and goes some shows will last a long time and some are just for a purpose. And I've done shows for about real estate for real estate agents. I've done travel writing shows, pharmacy, book publishing, all, all over the place, but it's fun. You get to have conversations with good people. It's what's not to like. And it is jodymaberry.com, right? J-O-D-Y-M-A-B-E-R-Y.com. And from there, they talk about all of it. But you do have a, hey, if you have a burning desire to start a podcast, get the guide. Talk to me a little bit about that. That guide came from two reasons. One, getting so many questions about podcasts. And two, understanding why it is that so many podcasts don't make it to episode 10. So there's a guide on my website. You'll see it right there on the front page, jodymayberry.com. And it's called Podcast Magic. And it's just to help you understand what you need to launch a podcast and plan it out. Because I understand what makes people quit. So it helps you get started to plan out those first episodes and get the momentum going. So you get past the hump. Not many people can do what Jesse Jackson has done and do a thousand episodes of a single show. Most, and th th it's serious. Most do not make it to episode 10. Terry Smith is a friend of mine, retired from Microsoft, was a guest on my podcast and huge Springsteen fan. So we had our Springsteen discussion. And after we hit rec stopped recording, he said, do you have a few more minutes? And I said, sure, Terry. And he said, I have an idea for a podcast. And I said, oh, what is it? And the long story is because he loved high-end stereo, he still does, he would have people over to their his house and instead of just playing a few minutes of song, go, doesn't this sound great? He started having them bring music. Mm -hmm. And so to make a theme, he said, tell you what, bring a song from every, a song, a single song from every decade you've been alive. 
and that's what we'll play. And he, I said, I think that's a fascinating idea for a podcast. I said, why don't we do a pilot episode, right? So sure enough, we did. He picked his six songs. I picked my six songs. We went back and forth. And the reason I'm telling this story is because he's that kind of guy, there was a seminar there in the UK, how to build a podcast. He signed up for it, and they said the exact same thing. Most podcasts don't make it past episode seven. Yeah. And and he says, and and at the time, I was like, it's episode five or 600, right? He goes, this is crazy. And and I always, when people ask me, and I'm looking forward to reading Podcast Magic, is I go, make sure this is something you want to talk about that even if no one listens, you're happy you're doing it. That's right. Uh, Obviously, you want people to hear it. My brother-in-law told the story. He he was in high school bands and right out of high school, he kept playing. This is the 60s. And he said if he had his choice right now, he's now retired, that him and a bunch of his buddies would get in a barn every Sunday and would just play a couple hours with no one listening. And that would just make him incredibly happy. And I said, so when my wife famously why would anyone want to listen to you when I talked about I was going to start a podcast? <laughs> I said, I don't care if people hear. I do, but the important thing is I hope my guests and I have a good conversation. And if people enjoy it, great. Be the important thing. That's my piece of advice. Have three or four in the can before you start. Make sure you've got enough. And then do, have you picked a topic that's interesting enough to you that you want to go long-term? What are your quick advices that you have for people? You've got people off to a great start. This is, I think, understanding why people quit helps get you past that seven episode mark. And this is what I have found. And and even if we don't, if I don't tell you how to get around it, I think just being aware that these are problems helps you. So number one is... Editing is a pain in the butt. Not many people like it. The people that like editing aren't usually the people that like being behind the microphone. So just know editing is a pain in the butt. Number two, it gets hard to have something to say every week. Enthusiasm will carry you through five or six episodes. And then you have to start thinking, oh my goodness, I have to find another guest or what am I going to talk about this week? Number three is the whole field of dream things. If you build it, he will come. If you record it, he will listen. It's not true. People don't show up just because you had something to say. That discourages people by episode five or six. They say, oh, I don't have thousands of downloads. So you combine editing is a pain in the butt with now I'm running out of things to say and I don't feel like anyone's listening and then they just stop. So if those are problems, I think, you won't get caught off guard by any of them. And we can talk about any of those points, but I say those just to say, when you start, be aware, those are the three people hiding in the bushes waiting to mug you and knock you off your podcast because it's going to happen. Those three things almost always happen. Yeah, and that's why I told before we hit record, right? I tend to do very little editing. I just discovered a couple of tools that will take out the filler words for me, which was like, oh, nice. But 
and I'm lucky. Mine is a conversational podcast. I don't have to take our 45, 60 minute episode, get it down to 30 so that I have Jody looking the absolutely best. So he's selling his point. My audience knows this is just going to be a conversation and Jesse and his guests may go off on tangents and we'll go for it. That's what I branded. But I do understand there's other if depending on what your purpose, you do need to have a tight episode and you need to understand it takes a while to go through that and try to figure yeah. it out. And to go along with all of that, it, it may be surprising. It may not, but of there's all this podcasting equipment. People will recommend something high end, some, yeah. to, but m- this is my t- favorite tool. You've probably seen me look down several yes. times and that's because I constantly am taking notes. Even when I'm being interviewed, I'm taking notes. Uh, the, the yellow legal pad has been my number one podcasting tool and it's underrated the ability to take notes and prepare, write down some things I might want to say, mm-hmm. or if you say something that sparks an idea, I'll make a note of it so I can try to circle back. And it just, I don't know if that would help everybody, but it really does to have a pen and a piece of paper in front of you and just jot things down as you go along. Now I know video podcasting is bigger now than it's ever been. And it looks a little out of place if I'm all, if I look down here and there, but I don't know. Old habit. No, I think most of your listeners are going to give you grace. What's next for you, Jody? What's next? What's the next mountain you want to climb? I have a, believe it or not, I have a couple of new podcasts that'll come out this, probably this year. Okay. So those are coming. Those will be fun, but it's Lee Cockrell and I always have some good things going. We launched the Cockrell Academy which you can find at cockerelacademy.com. And then I've got courses of my own related just to podcasting. So I have a three course suite that addresses the questions I get most often. So I have a course called Podcast Magic, which is all about how to have a great show. I've got Podcast Guest Magic, which is about how to be a great guest on a show. Hopefully you've enjoyed me as a guest and I share some of how to be a great guest. And then the the third one that I'm finishing up now is called Podcast Interview Magic, which is about how to do great interviews. So I'm looking forward to getting the third one of those of my of that suite of courses out, which hopefully will be this summer and then the, the all three be be done and get some of my best and favorite podcast information out is there a subject you haven't got to cover yet that you think you want to as a podcaster there there's some ideas i've had that i've never done yet but i think i've done a show about travel writing but i've never done a show about travel so maybe someday i've sketched out some different ideas of what a a travel podcast could be like, there's some really good travel channels or travel shows on YouTube, but there's, I don't, there, I, I'd like to tackle just a travel podcast. I'm, I don't know if I, I've got a voice for radio, but I don't know if you want to look at me all day. I think a travel podcast would be a fun one to do. Whether or not I'll ever get there, I don't know, but I like the idea of it. Throw me in there. I told the, I mentioned earlier that when I interviewed with the owner of our company, I wanted to know if I did vacations. 
And I told him, and my audience has heard this story many times, way back in 2012, my wife and I had not gone on a vacation together in a long time, just always with another couple or with the kid. And we decided we really wanted to. And for a lot of reasons, and I'll keep this short, we ended up going driving to Kentucky, doing the Kentucky Bourbon Trail, seeing my father's. My father had recently died. We got to see his stone at the Veteran Cemetery, went up to Cleveland, saw a Bruce show, went to Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, came back, did the second half of the uh, bourbon tour, came home. We called it our Bruce and Bourbon Tour. And I've talked about that multiple times. So if you ever need a, if you need a non-expert on going to do the Kentucky bourbon trail, I, I will be your guest. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. There you go. That sounds like a good trip. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Um, if someone wants to reach you, you've already given the website, but please share how again. JodyMayberry.com. You can find everything I'm up to there. You, all the podcast I'm involved in. If or just seek out the Jody Mayberry show wherever you listen to podcasts, it's there. And creating Disney magic is also a good one. And that's on jodymayberry.com. So everything you would want from me is right there. That sounds great. Is there anything I should have asked you that I haven't Jody? I've been waiting for the Mary question because the, that is great. You told me it was coming and perhaps it still is, but I, I've been on yes. edge the whole time, just waiting to talk about Mary. That is so perfect. Yes, that is the perfect segue. I end every podcast with the Mary question to give a little background. If this is, if you're a fan of Jody's or a, a fan of his podcast and you're checking this out, thank you for listening. Jay Armstrong was a honors English teacher in the Philadelphia area. He is now retired, but at the time when he taught, he would give his class, his honors English seniors, the lyrics to the song Thunder Road by Bruce Springsteen, and they would break it apart as if it was a poem, comparing to like Robert Frost poems, other American and English poets, talk about the language Bruce chose and the imagery he built. And at the end of the two days, he would ask his class the question, does Mary get in the car? So Jody... You shared you had done your homework. That is your question. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? So let me start this out by saying when I was younger and listening to Kiss and then listening to Elvis, I didn't particularly like Bruce. I wouldn't say I didn't not like him. I just didn't pay attention to Bruce. Of course right. I knew who he was. But it wasn't until maybe three or four years ago. I don't recall the song that made me start listening to him, but then uh, Oh, I read his autobiography. That's what it was, which prompted me to listen. And then I was like, oh my goodness, this guy can write a song. And that's what started me listening to Bruce. And, and so I just wanted to add that. I know this show is about Bruce. So and, 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 Bruce and we've story. ignored the whole episode. And here we could have talked to you more, Bruce. What'd you think of the autobiography? Obviously, you must have liked it to go look at his music. Yeah, it, the, uh, it was wonderful. And I will tell you the best part, I thought, was his advice to young males that you, you can meet any woman you want if you'll just dance. That yeah. He said it in different words, but yeah. that's basically his message. Yes. So, yes, get out there on the dance floor and you can talk to any young lady you care to because 
most men won't dance. So you get out there and dance. Okay. Now the Mary question, I think she got in the car and this is why, because I believe Mary has a, a history of bad choices. This very well could be a bad choice. So I think she'll make it anyway, because Bruce is promising something a little different. Like she makes bad choices in the small town over and has most of her life. And now Bruce is promising probably more of the same thing, but at least she gets to go for a ride in, in a good car. So I think she gets in. That is an excellent answer, my friend. Thank you so much. Listeners, go check out Jody's website. I will have it in the show notes. Check out some of his podcasts. I guess I got to go listen to some pilots. There you go. Yeah, 21 pilots. Yeah, very nice. For now, listeners, I want you to please be kind, be safe, and we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. There we go. Another episode. I'm about to go through a couple of things where you can reach me and give me feedback. Um, So if you want to skip this, I understand. But I do hope you check it out every once in a while. I'm available on Twitter at Jesse Jackson DFW. The show is available at SetLustingBruce. You can send me an email, setlustingbruce at gmail.com. You can send me a voicemail at 469-249-2442. I am currently doing a few other podcasts, perfectly good podcast, John Hyatt from A to Z, where Sylvan Groth and I discuss every John Hyatt song in alphabetical order. My Babylon 5 podcast is Last Best Hope for Conversation, where Lou, Karen, and I discuss every episode of Babylon 5 in chronological order. I still am doing Next Stop Everywhere, the Doctor Who podcast with my brother in time, Charles Skaggs. And then finally, How Many Podcasts, the only podcast on the internet that counts, where my buddies and I discuss pop culture. You can go to our Patreon page and support the podcast for as little as a dollar a month. You can go to our Facebook page, like, and please, please go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and leave a five-star rating and review for all of the podcasts that I'm doing. It's okay if you don't listen to them, but if you subscribe and rate, it really will make my day better. Thank you, and I will talk to you soon. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, said Listing Bruce. The theme for Set Lessing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From airship. 
the studio behind American Scandal comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.